Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the 10th episode of Catch Up with Louise Makshari. Can you believe it? 10 episodes? It's weird because 10 feels like not that many. And yet at the same time, it feels like I've been doing this for so long. And once again, I feel compelled to say thank you so much for helping me make it to 10 episodes and for being a part of this podcast uh, by listening to it every week and supporting it. And thank you to everyone who takes the time to send me lovely messages and uh, come and say hi to me when you see me out and about. It really means an awful lot to me and it's making my life just so happy um hope you had a good week if you didn't let's just put that behind us um I actually had a great one I was all over the place I was, I was busy this week I was in Cork for a couple of days and you know after not having been in Cork for ages I was in Cork twice in the last few weeks and I'm sorry dubs but Cork people are great. They are like, they really are just lovely, lovely people. And this time I was down there to have um, a, a meeting and a chat with some of the people um, in Hayfield Manor, which is a gorgeous hotel there. And also Peggy and Crowley, who's the founder of this uh, wellness brand called Ground, um, which was gorgeous. But anyway, I got to stay in the hotel and have a treatment. I had a 90 minute bespoke massage. And can I just say... If you have not ever had a massage slash you haven't had one in a long time, I could not encourage you more to book one this week. If you can pull the money together, it is just such a glorious and, you know, truly self-caring experience. And I think, you know, that especially goes for people who are um, single maybe people who live alone, people who don't get the benefit of human touch very often, because we actually really need that as human beings. And, um, you know, there's a lot to be said for paying a stranger to touch you. That's all I'm saying. I just, you know, there is. Um, but yeah, Hayfield Manor, amazing. Such a lovely hotel. It's like really old school, very glamorous. I, I loved being there. The staff were amazing. It was just like a 10 out of 10 for me. And then I stayed in Cork again the second night um, because I was doing a live podcast recording with Blind Boy for his podcast, which was just brilliant. Um, Like obviously Blind Boy is like the godfather of Irish podcasting. He's such a huge success. He is 
such a lovely guy so kind so supportive so encouraging and I really enjoyed my chat with him and I think that's going to be out I don't know sometime in the next few weeks maybe and um, so keep an eye on his podcast releases if you want to hear that if you're not just absolutely sick of me um but anyway that's enough rubbishing on um it is time now to get on with things we've got a lot to talk about this week later on in the episode we're going to be talking to Louise O'Neill author of her number one best-selling idol uh, going to be talking about that book and how she's getting on and um you know what inspired her to write about influencers and wellness and how well you can trust your memory and all these kind of interesting topics. And then later on, Esther O'More Donahue is going to bring us all the entertainment stories of the week, but we will start with the news. Eva Moore, political correspondent with the Irish Examiner. Thank you so much for joining me Good once afternoon. again. Good afternoon. Yeah, we're recording in an afternoon. I don't know. Madness. With ladies of leisure. <laughs> I wish. Um, so let's start with the National Maternity Hospital, um, as we have for the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. because the deal is done and kind of... The deal is done. The government part of the deal is done. It was signed off by Cabinet on Tuesday, and there was an ensuing row that accumulated into a vote last night, uh, Wednesday night, in the Dáil. There was a Sinn Féin motion that the National Maternity Hospital would have to be publicly owned on public land. And somewhat dramatically, <clears throat> two Green Party TDs, Nyasa Horrigan and Patrick Costello, voted with the opposition. So the government abstained and the two Green TDs voted with the opposition that it should be publicly owned on public land. Now, both Green TDs have said they know, obviously, they're whipped on government parties and that they're supposed to be voting for the government, but they felt in all good conscience that they couldn't vote against this motion. They've both been sanctioned now for six months, um, which means that they lose, you know, like speaking rights in the chamber. This is actually the second time this has happened to Nessa Hergen. She abstained on a vote last year on a vote up by housing. She is kind of seen as like the rebel green TD. She was against going into government and I think she has been somewhat of a the problem child for Eamon Ryan. Mm. Um, But she very principled, you know, and just said that she couldn't in all conscience vote against it. So uh, the government now is down, was down to 80 TDs. So that's a bare majority that they have now. So there was some worry that they might expel the two TDs, but the government basically can't mm. risk losing them now. So nothing really And if they happens. expelled them, what would that mean? They would no longer be green. Okay, just anymore. so from the party. Yeah, yeah, they would just be independent or they could join a different party. Okay. But they're not going to do that because the government needs the numbers. The motion itself isn't binding. It doesn't force the government to do anything. It was more of a principled thing. Yeah. And I think it is kind of like the bookend of this chapter now of... This was always going to be something that was going to tear the government apart. Mm. Um, they will be fine. This is not going to end the government. There's not going to be an election or anything like that. But I think it was probably the most fitting way for this kind of argument to end. The hospital is still a while away from being built. You know, this is going to rumble on for a while. But the government are secure. They say that they have legally binding language that there will be no religious ethos, no control, and it'll be a state hospital and everything but name. They keep saying essential, essentially ownership, but it's a 299 year lease mm. that we're paying for a new maternity hospital at St. Vincent's. I feel like we could talk about it at length, but there's actually just no point yeah. at this stage. Like, it's done. 
It's done now. Yeah, and we all we can do is move and take our principles with us, I mm-hmm. suppose. Um, okay, let's move to Ukraine. Um, mm-hmm. What is the latest there? I, there's a real, I think, dip in kind of people's ability to pay attention to what's mm-hmm. happening there at this point because it has been going on for so long. Yeah, I think but it is still going on. I think we're 12 weeks. Yeah. 12 weeks in. Um, so there's been ups and downs. Um, Russia has been pushed back out of a lot of... Um, regions and something i think was we're going to see a lot more of this week was the first week that we saw a russian soldier being tried in kiev for war crimes mm. so i don't know if anyone's seen pictures of him he looks so young yeah there's no age on him but he looks about to me he looks about 18 or 19 he mm. has been he's pled guilty to shooting um a 62 year old man uh, four days into the russian invasion um, he's from the Siberia region and he's been charged with war crimes and premeditated murder and pay- faces a possible life sentence. Uh, they've been, the Ukrainians say that they've been in touch with the wee boy's mother, but they have not had any contact with Russia. Mm. Um, it does, it does kind of seem that Russia have kind of washed le- their hands. Yeah, on, yeah. Left this wee boy to it. They said that their ability to provide assistance, uh, is due to their lack of diplomatic mission in Ukraine. <laughs> Oh my god! Like, I'd say uh, the current mission that you're on is probably the reason. <laughs> like honest to god. So uh, also this week, Ukraine won the Eurovision Song yeah. Contest. Oh yeah, yeah. I had Spain pipped at the post. Yeah, by the Ukrainians. Um, they are determined. They said that they would host it next year in Kiev. You know, I think it was a big show of solidarity show. That Europe very much is behind. Oh, a hundred percent. Because like the jury vote obviously wasn't for yeah. them, but I think people wanted to send the message that they have the support of Europe, and there is something beautiful in that. I think. And if the Irish entry, if Derry Lipa can't win, then Ukraine. <laughs> it's <laughs> got to be the Ukraine, or it's got to be Ukraine. Excuse me. Um, I did see that there was something interesting that happened with the Russian gymnast this week. Yeah. So this new symbol of a Z has become like a pro-war symbol. It's been painted on like Russian tanks and. And all this sort of stuff and it's been kind of this symbol now of like supportive of Russia there was a Russian gymnast who was wearing a vest and it had the Z kind of prominently placed mm. and he was standing next to another Ukrainian a Ukrainian gymnast when he was wearing it so he was um banned for a year because this is obviously seen as you know trying to instigate something and you're not and- supposed to be Political, I think. Yeah, yeah, you're not just wearing anything. So, um, yeah, the Russian Defense Ministry hasn't commented. They aren't. It's not something that Russia is officially backing the Z symbol, mm. but they haven't they played have, it down. Yeah. It's painted on like tanks and soldiers. You would see soldiers with it on their, you know, flak jackets and mm. stuff. But it's it stands for um, the the Russian term for West begins with Z, mm. and obviously Ukraine is west of yeah. Russia, so that's where it came from. Right. And uh, Zelensky appeared at the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, it was all very um, dramatic. So President Zelensky opened the Cannes Film Festival via Zoom and he recited that speech um, from the dictator. Mm. Um, you should go on. People should go on and watch it. Like it is. It was quite dramatic at the time. But Cannes this year is apparently there's going to be a heavy kind of Ukraine influence, like films made by Ukrainian filmmakers are going to take precedence. Um, Russians with links to the government have been banned. I don't know why they're deciding how you have a link. Yeah. Like, what if, like... Anyway, so... It's mad, actually, how, like, it has permeated everything. Yeah, you know, like, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Everything is... 
it's so dominant now. Yeah. I mean, I, it feels like the rest of the world is really, for the most part, vast, the vast majority of the rest of the world is just completely united yeah. in their position on this. But I just don't know where this ends. Is. I know, me neither. Um, next up, there was a report this week about women experiencing addiction and domestic violence. Yeah, this is really, uh, really depressing to read. But I also wasn't that surprised. Yeah. You know what I mean? God, I was not so depressed. So at least 11,000 women struggling with addiction are also victims of domestic violence. Mm. Um, and around 50,000 women have endured both things simultaneously at some yeah. point in their lives. So that's people struggling with addiction and are victims of domestic violence. It was published by this group called Davina mm. and it's part of a woman-only addiction support service in the North Inner City and they do great work. But it's a lot to do with childhood traumas mm-hmm. and then obviously once you're in uh, the, the throes of addiction, you're just a lot more vulnerable. You're so vulnerable, anyway. yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, shame and stigma about, about both addiction and domestic violence. Mm. And a lot of it is um, when you're in the throes of addiction and a lot of them have children, they are then afraid to leave as well because they don't feel like they can look after the children mm. themselves. Mm-hmm. It's just all really depressing. I cannot underline enough how much we are not as a country we are signed up to the Istanbul Convention on you know the treatment of women and we don't have enough domestic violence refuges and I also believe that we could put a domestic violence refuge on every street in the country but if we are not educating young men about their emotions and mm. how to deal with anger, mm. then it's not going to make any difference. And we're also not dealing with addiction effectively in this yeah. country at all. Like, I mean, it's so difficult to access treatment. Um, you we know, still don't have a safe injection centre in Dublin City Centre. So much of kind of, you know, addictive behaviour is just criminalised. Mm-hmm. So people end up in jail or, you know, in dangerous situations mm-hmm. that they shouldn't be in. And mm-hmm. then they seek protection. Like... Look, I'm coming at this from the position of someone like, you know, I've talked about it a hundred thousand times that my mom was an alcoholic, my biological mm-hmm. mom. And she was beaten really badly by a boyfriend and ended up in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. Like mm-hmm. in, a, in a situation like that, she was living on the street. Mm-hmm. She needed someone to be mm-hmm. with her yeah. and protect her. And, and that's how it ended up. Mm-hmm. And she was in several abusive relationships yeah so when it becomes like a a vicious circle then yeah Mm -hmm. yeah exactly you need protection but if your protector is is Mm -hmm. you also need to protect be protected from your protector and there is now obviously hell mcintyre the justice minister has done really good work on this and there is a domestic violence strategy coming but it's a long time coming we should have had it before and there are still 11 counties without refugees and no more funding has been made available um to get refugees under them counties but it's I just can't believe we're even in a situation where we're having that conversation yeah I know um on to something different and a, a more positive stories we Aoife are going to talk about sport we are modern women talking about sport no one is as shocked as we are <laughs> this I love this story so much so Jake Daniels little 17-year-old cherub has made history as the UK's only openly gay active male professional footballer. Mm. He plays for Blackpool. He announced it this week. It's his childhood club. He said that, you know, he's all his dreams have come true. He always wanted to play for Blackpool and he felt comfortable enough to say that he is a gay man and he's very happy and he's had loads of support. They did. He did a video interview with Sky News. It was really well done. He was talking about how, you know, he felt very supported by his teammates and his family and he had done 
I think was very common, especially fellas who play football, had done the thing of like, no, 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 I'm straight. And he went out with girls and tried to convince himself for a long time because mm. that's what footballers do. Footballers yeah. go out with girls. And he said that he knew, um, yeah, that he was gay and he felt comfortable to come out. The last person who was openly gay was Justin Fashionu and that was in 1990. So that was before I was born. So like. It's wild, isn't it? I saw Daniel Lambert, um, who works at the, uh, Bo's Bohemians Football Club, mm-hmm. who I adore. Um, even though I'm not into sport, I always say this I'm not into Lu- football, but I'm this into Bo's. This is Louise and he found off the ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw him on The Tonight Show and he was saying like, you know, there are two, I think, out yes, professional two, football players yeah, in the world was, right now. One, one in Australia. Australian, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, we all know that statistically... It's not possible. Oh, there's loads of them. There's loads of them. Mm-hmm. And it really is, as he said, an indictment of the culture of football that more yeah. people don't feel comfortable to like come my out. My cousin was a professional footballer, um, a very successful um, professional footballer. And he, okay, all would, right. Uh, Pipe down. <laughs> we would openly talk about how like, he has played football with a lot of men who were gay, but he was like, and the teammates know and stuff. But yeah. like, they're just not talking about it publicly because of the fans and football culture. And I would also say that that really lovely interview that this guy knew he's dead. Yeah. He had to turn the comments off. Well, exactly. And he had to turn his comments off on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And so there's just a lot of work, I think, that needs to be done within football to try and improve that culture. Like mm-hmm. even my kids, um, we live near Bose and mm-hmm. my oh, kids are really into Bose. Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here I go. <laughs> and um, they love seeing bows stickers and sticking mm. up bows stickers and yeah. so they watch them all the time and there's like gay bows yeah, uh, stickers yeah, yeah. that have rainbows in the, within the bows crest and frequently as we're walking through Fibsborough I see that someone has come along and, and just scribbled it. out the rainbow left the sticker like obviously opposition fans had ripped down the yeah, stickers yeah, 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 yeah. but there's someone who's got out. at least one person who's going around scribbling out the rainbow and that goes against the whole ethos of bows specifically that but is, it's also just so pathetic as someone who is deeply deeply troubled about their own sexuality it has to be right mm-hmm. like why else That's, would you care I have so much going on what other people get up to in their spare time is really <laughs> not of my concern I am a busy person I'm too busy for homophobia I couldn't agree <laughs> more and to end on another good note and I'm delighted to be able to do that this week mm-hmm. Razadat Adeleki uh, Irish runner is now the fastest Irish woman of all time from over 60 metres, 200 metres, 300 metres and 400 metres. She just keeps breaking records. Go on. She's 19. She's amazing. She's absolutely amazing. She is a University of Texas uh, student. Uh, I think she's originally from Tala. And she is basically on the rise. The US college scene, obviously, is where they do mm. all the athletics. And she is set now big somewhere for she is going to the World Championships in Oregon, European Championships in August, NCAA Championships. Like this woman just running her heart out. It's very exciting, isn't it? It's amazing. And she's so like when you see her getting interviewed, she's so sweet. Like she can't believe it that she's like, can't believe she's so fast. (laughs) I mean, some people just have it. It's such a good time for Irish woman sport. Yeah, it it really is. It it, really is. Yeah. Woman, big fan. (laughs) (laughs) Aoife Moore, political correspondent with the Irish Examiner. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) 
Idol is Louise O'Neill's sixth book. She's written three young adult novels and this is her third adult novel. It is, I think, my favourite of her books so far. It is set in the world of a super glamorous influencer, as Louise will explain, uh, and it is just right in my wheelhouse. It deals with matters of consent. It deals with the internet. It deals with uh, fakeness on the internet, all the kinds of things that I think we all think about and talk about all the time these days. And I was delighted to have a chance to sit down and chat to her about it. Louise O'Neill, it is such a pleasure to be with you again and to discuss a new book. Um, I gather it's 10 years since you started writing fiction. It is. Um, I turned 37 um, in February um, and on my 27th birthday, um, my parents bought me a laptop. Um, I remember opening the present and my mother saying, oh, it's for you to write your novel. And I was like, uh-oh, mm-hmm. uh, they really do expect me to write this. Um, and about two weeks later, I started writing Only Ever Yours. So I think that was probably the best uh, birthday present yeah. <laughs> that I've ever received. And did you think at that point, you know, when you did start writing, were you like, oh, this this probably isn't going to go anywhere? Or did you feel confident about your abilities? Um, I think any writer, particularly maybe with a first draft, goes through phases of, this is genius. And mm-hmm. then this is the worst thing that's mm-hmm. ever been written. <laughs> so um, there was a little bit of that. Now, I will say I felt very, like the voice um, of that character, Frida, and Only Ever Yours came through, like, you know, that was very mm. strong in the beginning. Um, and I remember writing the first chapter and looking at it and going, oh, I think this might be okay. Mm. Um, but then, as you know, like, as I said, yeah. over six months, there was definitely times where yes. I thought... What am I doing? What am I doing with my life? Every every writer friend I have, I have to coach them through that phase <laughs> of like, this is terrible. I'm gonna give them. I'm giving them the money back. I'm not writing this book. You know. I think I know what friend you're talking about. And yeah, I get. I get it. Well, it's not just one person. This is the thing. It's it's several people. Like every fiction writer I know yeah. has those moments. Um, maybe not that extreme, but um, it's it's. You know, it's interesting to hear that you. It was kind of like that for you from the very beginning. Yeah. Um, so this book is called Idol. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved it. I think it's my favorite book of yours ever. Oh, now it is right you. up my street. Um, the kind of themes and content are like made for me, basically. I won't attempt to to describe it because I think you'll do a better job okay. of it. Well, I have. I've sort of practiced my elevator pitch. Okay, okay well, I'm so ready. I'm going to give it to you here now. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So Idol is about Samantha Miller, who is this American wellness guru, um, and she's very beautiful and, you know, um, a macrobiotic diet and um, and uh, is very successful and and has millions of followers on social media incredibly wealthy, very glam, you know. Mm. Um, And uh, she has just written this book called Chased. um, And in order to promote it, she writes an essay about a sexual experience that she had as a teenager with her then best friend, Lisa. And the essay goes viral. But then Lisa gets in contact to say that that's not quite how she remembers it, Mm. um, that her memory of what happened that night is much darker so like while the book, you know, I suppose is about influencers and wellness and sort of hashtag girl boss feminism. Mm. Um, I think it's also about power and sex and consent and celebrity, um, you know, all of that, all of that kind of juicy stuff. Yeah. Which is why, as I said, it was right <laughs> up my alley. Um, and what made you decide to write about this particular mm. kind of situation or this mm. this topic? Like, I actually think I've been 
I, I think I've been thinking about this for a while. Like, I remember reading Lena Dunham's collection of essays when that came out. I can't remember if that was 2012 or 2014. Um, but in it, she talked about this experience when she was seven and her sibling was one, mm. where she spread open her sibling's vagina. Mm. Um, and, like, the reaction to it online was so incredibly divisive. You mm. know, like, 50% of people were like, this is child abuse and she should be prosecuted. And 50% of people were like, no, this is just kids being kids and exploring each other's bodies. And I was really struck by that, like, the idea that I suppose that the exact same words on a page or the exact same event could be interpreted in such like wildly different ways and mm. um, I don't know I suppose like you know after Trump and post-truth and alternative facts and <laughs> you know all of that I think that kind of idea of like my truth mm. you know um, you know I think we all, we've all heard that well this is my truth and mm. it's like well if it's not the truth then what what's the point of it you know yeah and I think that's a really interesting thing that is explored really well in the book that like you know how much can you even trust your own memories yeah. Yeah. like it, it, your memories can be influenced by so many different things that yeah. what you perceive to be the exact events as they happened is never going to yeah. be identical to the way that someone else who was there yeah. sees them do you I mean I'm not sure if you've had that experience with like siblings or, or mm. people that you were friends with when you were kids and you're trying to remember something that happened and it's really fuzzy and, and, and like it actually happened to me recently and I, I used it for, for the book where that I was talking to my mother about my first memory um, and I said, I remember you putting this, this dress on me and, and, you know, we were in the, my room above the shop and my mom said, but Louise, we moved from the shop when you were three months, we, lived, we were living in Inchdania on your third birthday and I knew that, like, you know, yeah. it's not that I didn't know that but it was so odd that like for all those years when I was talking about my first memory that I kind of didn't put it together that that didn't line that it up wasn't with actually, yeah, yeah, that it was impossible and I suppose with um, Sam, I suppose her memories are so integral to who she is as a person mm -hmm. which I think is true of all of us, you know, our, our, our memories, our stories kind of inform who we are mm. and for Sam so much of I think how she looks at herself is this idea of I am a good person. Yeah. I am doing good in the world. My work is important. I'm helping my girls. I'm helping them recover. I'm helping yeah. them heal. And I think when Lisa comes along and sort of threatens to undermine those memories and those stories and the way in which she sees herself, like it, it feels incredibly destabilizing. Yeah. And she will go to rather extreme lengths, yes. I think, to sort of protect her memories. Well, I think, and I think that's really interesting as well, because obviously she is... The, you know, she is an influencer and, and the opening scenes of the book are she's at this massive launch event for her new book. And immediately you see the kind of conflict between what she has, her her like personal narrative, like mm. what she thinks she is and what she's doing mm. and, and the truth. Mm -hmm. You know, she really believes that she is yes. this, you know, positive force that, you know, she really cares yeah. about her girls, as she calls them, yeah. you know, the people who follow her and admire yeah. her. Yeah. But you can immediately see based on her <laughs> behavior that like maybe that's not so, so true. Not so true. Yeah. yeah. And like, I think, you know, I'm probably coming to this I, all of it like influencers and wellness and new age spirituality I'm not coming to this from like a cynical place or a mm. skeptical place like particularly with new age spirituality which has actually been a really important part of my life since I was a child and sort of or since I was a teenager and rejected um Catholicism mm. like that really took that place you know mm. and and so I think coming to that and like looking at a lot of the gurus in this space, a lot of who are, you know, like these very white, powerful, blonde, you know, very thin women. And like, I suppose maybe seeing how 
how few of them I think are able to sort of interrogate their own sense of or their own privilege really and and yeah I think maybe I was in a prime position to go god this would be really interesting to kind of write um, about a character like this but I often feel like you know and I'm not just saying this because I know this is kind of part of your job as well but like I do think being an influencer looks like an incredibly difficult job yeah like it wouldn't be for me like I, I have to say that you know something that I fell into um like I didn't set out to kind of do that kind of work um it is really hard mm. and it's getting harder all the time mm. um because people's expectations are growing all the time yeah. and and I mean that from the perspective of you know some people feel entitled to you and your time and your kind of you know to information or whatever you know I have to say I have a gorgeous following like the people who follow me are so supportive and kind but every once in a while there's one that rears their ugly head and they feel they can you know criticize you and judge you and um and you know lay all of that at your doorstep without any regard for the fact that you're a human being and aside from that the actual work side of it um you know agencies and clients and the expectations there are growing all the time you know if you're doing sponsored content or whatever yeah. so honestly and I, I you know I'm I, I'm very lucky because I was just saying this to someone last night that like when things finished for me in RTE if I didn't have that kind of work in my life I would have been really screwed I mean my work finished mm-hmm. so abruptly mm-hmm. financially I would have been in big trouble yeah. I have two kids you know yeah. um, and that that saved me that I had that extra work but um but it is very difficult yeah no and I do and I think that like I I suppose to always try and I actually I suppose with Samantha like to bring it back to that like you can kind of see it with that that she she has to mine her own life for Mm. content she has to and she's found a way I suppose to monetize like her trauma and her childhood and but like when you're letting people in to Mm. like the extent that she is as you said like you pay a price yeah that there are those expectations and when when her girls feel like she has let them down like when these allegations of abuse go public like they're so furious with her and I think that kind of parasocial um, relationship as well is like I don't know I, I do find that sort of endlessly fascinating it is I mean it is and I, like as I'm I'm in a lot of those relationships yeah. um, and I'm in them with other influencers as well you know there are plenty of people who I watch and <laughs> you know I I you know, like sometimes people will come up to me and they'd say oh sorry like you must get this all the time or like I'm, I'm sorry to say hi or like this is weird because I know so much about you and I'm always like I have this exact experience with other people so like don't <laughs> worry you know because we all you know if you're online at all like we all have those yeah those parasocial relationships as you say um, but they are evolving and changing and some are great and some are not so great and it is endlessly fascinating so I'm that's why I was so delighted to read about it in your book <laughs> um, another thing that I that I really enjoyed reading about because it's something that I've given a lot of thought to is you know at the center of the book is is this friendship between Lisa and Sam and you know they were friends from when they were four you know until things turned for them um, when they came into adulthood. And and I, that intensity mm. of their friendship, it, I, I just, I feel like we don't read enough about those relationships yeah. that, that girls have yeah. with each other in childhood and in the teen years. Yeah. Like I have hurt from teenage friendships that I carry. I'm turning 40 this year and I have just accepted like it will never go because those friendships are, they are like, you know, relationships, like, like, you know, intimate relationships. So how did it feel to write about that? Is that something that you experienced yourself? Yes. And funny, in a way it sort of feels like a sister novel to, um, 
Only Ever Yours, which was my first yeah. novel. And there was sort of that very obsessive, like enmeshed, like kind of codependent. Like, yeah. You know, with Sam and Lisa, like the tragedy is, is that in a way they are the loves of each other's lives. Um, and even though they both see themselves as the victim of the other person's behavior, that they both kind of think that they're, you know, the other one has hurt them in a way that they'll never recover from. Like they just, I suppose, are still want to be in each other's lives. Yeah. Even, even though it's so destructive for mm. both of them. Um, and like I like when I think of like I had a friendship breakup when I was like 17 mm. and you know honestly I don't think I've ever been as heartbroken no like you know it was definitely I think one of the most devastating experiences of my entire yeah life. I'm the same and I agree with you about the hurt I remember um, recently bumping into someone that I hadn't seen since school um, and we'd had kind of a contentious relationship in school and I felt so small like I instantly felt yeah. 16 and I felt so nervous and I walked away and I was like I'm 37, you know, I have a good career, yeah. I've made something of my life, you know, yeah. I have an incredible partner, you know, I've, I've loads of friends, like, I don't need to be, but it was, it was amazing how quickly, and I mean, I have done so much therapy, Louise, <laughs> you know what I mean, <laughs> I have done so much therapy, but it was so um, interesting to see how quickly I kind of just, like, regressed into, like, that really anxious, kind of nervous, like, not, not good enough, just feeling like I'm not good enough, Yeah, you know? I, t- I can I relate to that so much, yeah. I know that feeling, and you're like, why am I, wh- oh, what is this about, like, yeah. why? Why, am, why do I carry this in me? Yeah. Um, but but I think you have to just accept it. Yeah, and I suppose the, that... And like, yeah, so as, as you said, there's kind of flashbacks in the book that's sort of between 1998 and 2000 when they're teenagers. Mm. But I also think... Which also perfect for me because that's when I was teenagers. So. <laughs> and the music and everything. I had <laughs> yeah. so much fun with it. And the clothes and yeah. like having to watch like teen movies from that yeah, era all, just to kind of get all back all into the... All the cultural references. <laughs> very enjoyable. Um, but I, I do think that like, you know, particularly as an adult, like as an adult, adolescent because so much of what you're experiencing is like for the first time and yeah. like often we don't remember like our first from let's say when we were a toddler when we we're learning to speak and when we we're learning to walk but like you always remember like the first time you had sex the first time you fell in love the first time you like drove a car yeah whether you want to drink. or not yeah or the first you know so I think it's it all feels very fresh and it's like I don't know it just sort of like lays down tracks in you in some way and it's really hard I think to get to get those back up yeah um so this book is a thriller even though I actually didn't realize that until I finished it yeah <laughs> I, di- I didn't realize it until it came out and everyone kept calling it a thriller I was like is it okay <laughs> well I don't know how you define thriller but it's uh, but I felt like at the end I was like oh no that's a thriller because yeah. it, it's it has great pace and it's very kind of you know you really all through the book you kind of don't know what is the truth that's because true. and you're trying to find out I yeah. suppose what the truth is yeah yeah so you're chasing the truth um, which makes it a really great read because you're just dying to get there <laughs> um, is this kind of the track that you think you'll stay on this kind of um, I don't know I mean I'm so you know I'm so contrary to it's like you know like I'm just like what what genre will I do now um but um yeah I suppose when I um after the silence which was my last book which was my first um my first um I suppose, psychological thriller like I did really enjoy like that sense of pace and like kind of trying to keep that mm. you know like to make it a real page turner and mm. like really compelling and and like a lot of that is in I, I know even with the first draft my editor said okay we need to cut like 40,000 words and there I worked really hard on my those precious words, words. <laughs> um, but yeah but I think there was something about that I really enjoyed the challenge of um mm. but I I suppose I can never say because I've I've written in so many genres mm. I, I get bored really easily and and often I suppose it's more about the story itself and how I want the story to be told um mm. like I was talking to my editor yesterday and I said I really wanted to write like 
an adult version of Now and Then. Have you, did you watch Now and Then? Yes. Thank you, because neither of them had seen it. And I was no. trying to explain to them. And you see, it's not on streaming. Yeah. So it's really tricky. But I, I was actually like, just rewatched it like last year. Uh, no way. Oh, yeah. Does it hold up? Tell me. Uh, well, I, I think, you know, a movie that you love as a teenage yes. girl or like you're always going to love. Yes. I can't look at it, you know, yes. objectively. And I think it's so rare because like I know at the time it didn't, it was critically slammed. But like when is a, is particularly in the 90s, like, you know, coming of age story about girls yeah. not kind of being slammed as, you know, yeah. fluffy and superficial. But I love that film. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you something now. Uh, oh God, it's okay. a, it's a, it's a two pronged, I was about to say two fingered. That's not an expression. <laughs> Jesus, thanks for preparing me. <laughs> it's a two-prong question. Um, first, you know, I know you made the decision to kind of take a step back from Twitter some time ago, and that's that's still the case. Yeah. And you're on Instagram a little bit, but yeah. you know, you're you're quite private, I think. Yeah, I, I think you see, you're so good on Instagram. Like, I love watching your stories because you're so like you're such a clear speaker and like you're always so articulate whereas I'm always like feel like I'm like turning into like a, a children's TV presenter. Hi guys. <laughs> Well, I I'm I find I'm on Instagram less and less as well. Yeah. Like I think it, we go through phases, and it depends on how you're feeling and how safe you're feeling. Yeah. I think to share, but but in the the second finger of that question <laughs> is um, like everybody knows that you are in a relationship with Richard Chambers, who people became just obsessed with during the <laughs> pandemic, um, and I feel like that kind of shone a little bit of a light on you. Is it strange to kind of have that? be a little bit public it's not like you're on red carpets getting oh, yeah, photographed together but like oh god um okay well the first part of that question was um yes yeah, so richard runs my twitter account now which makes it very hard for me to give out about him using twitter mm-hmm. because i'm like put your phone away he's like actually i'm doing your work so then i feel really <laughs> guilty um and instagram i never i don't know i suppose i never had the same grow for instagram yeah. so it was kind of easier to manage that a yeah. bit um and yeah and the second part of that question um with richard I don't know. I mean, I mean, the pandemic was very strange in yes. a lot of ways and I didn't get to see him um, for most of it. Yeah, that must um, have been so hard. It was, it was. It was really hard in our relationship and it's just been great now to be able to actually spend some like some actual time together. Yeah. Um, but um, no, and I suppose, I think with Richard, he's so focused on his job, you know, and he's mm-hmm. always just wanting to do his job really well. Um, so I think because he's really focused on that and not necessarily on the other stuff you know mm. and I think actually Gavin and Zara are the same you know his mm. colleagues who kind of I think they all kind of had a bit of a, a glow up um, yeah and I think they're all a bit bemused by it and just want to do their job and I think that sort of influences then how I react to it right um but um yeah no he's he's great uh, though sometimes um it was funny someone came up the other day and they said they came up to me and they said oh um I love your books when they left. I was like, so relieved. I thought they were coming up to say it. Because they they're always coming up to talk to him now. I was like, someone for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that must be so strange. Yeah, I know. But do you, try, I mean, you must get it as well. Like, um, with people knowing who you are. I mean, yeah, but my poor husband is like, he's like, yeah, I'm Mr. Louise Makshari. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can be Mrs. No, actually, no, I was going to say I'll be Mrs. Richard. No, no it's, it's fine when, I'm, when he says it, but not when I say it, no. But actually, what Richard says now is that um, he was out walking Cooper, our uh, little rescue, um, and uh, that people have started going, hi, Cooper. Oh, <laughs> like, oh God. Less Cooper content. Less Cooper content. This is getting strange. Well, it's great to see you. You're obviously very happy. Oh. Um, um, and, and can I just say that I am absolutely loving the podcast. Oh, thank and you. And honestly, because when, you know, when you left um, 2FM, 
like I was obviously like very you know disappointed for you as a person but like mm. on a very selfish level I was like damn it I really wanted to talk to Louise about this book <laughs> so I was really trying to like DM you going you should really set a podcast you should start a podcast and I'm just so happy that you have and it's so brilliant and I'm just delighted to be on it oh thank you I'm delighted too uh, I really am like I'm happier I'm I'm very happy yeah. with the way things are and you know I knew you know when things like this happen I'm you always know that they'll work out for the best because everything always does, yeah. you know, or almost always. Um, and I knew that I would feel be- the better for kind of what happened. Um, but I couldn't have imagined that I, w- I would be so happy. The freedom of it is amazing. And, you know, getting to make something entirely myself just yeah. is, is brilliant as well. Yeah. And thank you, Louise. Yeah. Louise squared. Yeah. Uh, well, Louise O'Neill, I know this book is going to be huge. I wouldn't be surprised if this book is a movie or a TV series. Oh, like so. it's Reese Witherspoon, wouldn't she be so perfect? Her or Gwyneth Paltrow, I think. How do you get it to her? How does that work? I don't know. We're going to have to figure out a way. Who do I know that knows Reese Witherspoon? I mean, I feel like you definitely know someone. I, yeah, I mean, You're the world far is too small. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, I can't wait to watch the series. <laughs> Who would play Sam Miller? I don't, I mean, I think maybe Reese. I mean, I know she's 40, so, and, oh God, I shouldn't say that. Reese, you're very young looking. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, but so is Sam, right? Yes, but uh, what age is Reese Witherspoon, though? It doesn't matter. Oh, Sam is 40. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Reese Witherspoon's probably a little bit older, but she can play young. Yeah, she can. Oh, my God, she looks yeah. amazing. I'm really I want to watch that movie. I really Reese Witherspoon, <laughs> you look amazing. I know you always listen to Louise McSherry's podcast. Huge listener, podcast. huge listener. Um, okay, Louise, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much, Louise. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I 
I know that you love Esther O'More Donahue as much as I do, so I'm thrilled that she's back this week to take us through the entertainment stories. Kravis got married. There was all kinds of hijinks happening around that. And um, we talked about Cardi B changing nappies with her long, long nails. How does she do it? Nail chat is a crucial part of this week's episode. Um, and of course, we had to address Cara Delevingne. And the way she would go on. Esther, my friend, we are once again <laughs> together. It actually feels like ages since we did this. It's a couple of weeks. You know, people have talked, but here we are now. <laughs> I'm here and guys, I'm back. You're welcome home. <laughs> Look, I, people adore you, Esther. So I'm sure there are loads of people who've been missing you. Um, but we have lots to talk about. And the loads. first thing we have to talk about is the, the strange behaviour of Cara Delevingne at the Billboard Music Awards this year, this week. This, this era. I know when, yeah. Look, maybe she had an extra bottle of TK Red Lemonade because <laughs> she's a bit excited. Happy to be in Megan The Stallion's company, of course. Who as, can we, as we all would be. As we all would be, Louise. As we all would be. But she was she was chaotic. Yeah. She was all over the place. And I've seen her. She, there was a video of her, I think it was last Halloween at Leah McSweeney, your favourites from yeah. Real Housewives of New York. Thank you. Uh, Halloween party and Azalea Banks was performing and she was on stage with her and it was just like, you know when you get the secondhand cringe yes. from someone you're like, oh yeah, my she was God. Like bending, like, like first of all, it did not look like Azalea had invited her on stage uh-huh. because Azalea was not even looking at her. Like she was just like completely ignoring her. You could feel the coldness coming from the screen and she was kind of bending over and like pretending to lick her legs mm-hmm. like really like so awkward and so then awkward. yeah as she was all like just just kind of just over the top and kind of all over Megan the Stallion at the mm-hmm. Billboard Awards but and, and in case I, I in one of my WhatsApp groups we were discussing it and we were like but wait was she Megan the Stallion's plus one because why was she on the red carpet with her and why was she sitting beside her yeah it's because I, I mean Look, we don't know. They probably have their own WhatsApp group together. You know, celebs are just like us. They're probably texting each other because they had their photo- photos of them at the Met Gala. Let's say they're friends. And they must have been because you don't accidentally sit beside someone at the front, in the, near the front row of the billboard world. So they were there together as friends. And like, I don't think I've looked at it. I've analysed the video. Megan doesn't look like she's, Megan, my close friend, doesn't look like she's too irritated. She's kind of just like ignoring her in a weird way. But Cara's still just giving it too much and it was cringe. Anyway, so... Then there was a photo released of her and Doja Cat at the Billboard Awards. This is Megan and Doja Cat. Megan and Doja Cat. Um, And it was from a fan account. But Megan reposted and Cara had been edited out. The brutality. (laughs) Oh, okay. So it was on a a fan account first. Yeah. And then Megan shared it. So so because I heard the story that Megan had cut Cara out. I'm getting it from a fan account. We might... We might have to Google this, but the in the original photo, Cara is in. And in the original photo, it looks like she's actually photoshopped into it because she kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. But either way, it was cold-blooded. She, yeah. Someone made the decision to airbrush uh, Cara out and I kind of I kind of support it. I mean, the photo was better without her. She, was, she just wasn't making a great face, I mean, aside from anything else. But of course, there is obviously a conversation happening um, that you and I can't speak to at all online about Cara Delevingne's behaviour and, and how it's symptomatic of an overall kind of sexualization and fetishization of black women. Um, so it might be worth Googling if you're interested in, the, in this kind of topic. Um, and I've watched lots of TikToks of women and um, black women talking about this and saying that like it happens all the time 
that apparently, you know, white women are kind of all over black women's viewing them as sexual objects. It happens in nightclubs, apparently. Like, obviously, this is not something that I have experience of, but there does seem to be a conversation about this, which obviously has validity that's kind of off the back of Cara Delevingne's antics. Yeah, and it, well, well, we, what we can say is that she's been a bit of a wally and it's yeah. like, read the room, Cara, and it's like... Yeah, don't be taken over. But we, well, what is lost in the whole thing is that Megan won top female, top rap female artist. Yes. And um, Olivia Rodrigo won best female artist, which is a different thing. But there you go. So congratulations to Megan if you're listening. Wait, Megan won top female artist. Top rap female artist. Okay. And Sorry. Olivia Rodrigo won, won female artist. Okay. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I mean... I- I won't go into the separation of those awards and why I feel like it's bad and why Megan should just win everything. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. Love Olivia okay. too. No mm-hmm. shade on Olivia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's move on. We heard really sad news this week about our Britney. Our Britney. And I think last time I was on, I was reading her joyous Instagram post about her pregnancy announcement. I'm not going to do that now. But last Saturday, she announced on Instagram that she had lost her third child. Mm. Um, In a joint statement with her fiancé, Sam, she read, It is with our deepest sadness we have to announce that we lost our miracle baby early in the pregnancy. This is a devastating time for any parent. Perhaps we should have waited to announce until we were further along. However, we were overly excited to share the good news. Mm. Our love for each other is our strength. And I think, you know, there is that... I don't know if it's the wisdom or the tradition or the, you know, the, yes, yeah, I, I don't know, it's the wisdom maybe that m- women choose to delay announcing the pregnancy until at least the first trimester yeah. or the first 12 weeks. But here she was excited and, you know. Yeah. And like, I really think that that's something that everyone needs to decide on their own mm-hmm. um, because like... I think sometimes what what that can lead to or what that alludes to is kind of that you if you do lose a pregnancy that you should keep that a secret Mm -hmm. or that you you know you won't want to share that with anyone or that's something that you should keep to yourself because you know obviously the consequence of telling people that you're pregnant if you do lose that pregnancy is that you have to tell people and some people obviously won't want to have that conversation with people but other people need support Mm -hmm. in the context of a pregnancy loss and will want to have that conversation with family and friends so like I don't necessarily buy into the old like you know you must wait until you know 13 weeks or whatever mm-hmm. um, but I do think it's a decision that everyone has to make and obviously for Brittany you're talking about this on an absolutely enormous scale because mm-hmm. everyone in the world knew she was pregnant yeah and and I mean, we talked about it. Everyone was talking about it. And I mean, suppose when you think about it, 12 weeks, is, it's a long time to keep something to yourself if you don't want or you need you yeah. need, need the help. Anyway, so she's, I mean, she's back to back to her her, uh, her standard Brittany posts again. And she, she is, you know, she acknowledged she's still dealing with it. She's very sad. Um, she posted a, you know, a Sex in the City uh, meme featuring Carrie Bradshaw with eye makeup smeared um, and said, I'm not in the mood to be with a bunch of people. And as you would expect. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think they want to try, they want to, you know, get pregnant again. So hopefully it, it works out for our Brittany. Yeah, everything yeah. cross for Brittany. She mm-hmm. just, all she deserves is happiness. Um, speaking of happiness, two people who are absolutely delighted with themselves, Kourtney Kardashian <laughs> and Travis Barker have wedded. Yes, we watched For real them, this time. <laughs> for reals this time. Yeah, we watched them a couple of weeks ago on the Kardashians get engaged on the beach in Montecito mm-hmm. uh, and now they're officially married I don't know if it was a bit of a didn't did it, did it land in the hugest way that we uh, I, I might have expected it it wasn't well, really it's a bit of a damn squib I think that people think and I think that they think that <laughs> I think <laughs> no but I'm assuming there's a bigger wedding coming yeah 
and yeah. that this is just like the legal yeah. bit. It's the little, it's the Ritz cracker with the slice of cheese and a bit of hummus on it. It's just the taster. The meal will be coming later on. And I've heard, so you've seen on two different sources online because I'm a serious uh, investigative reporter that it, it's either going to be in France or Italy. Yeah. She loves Italy. She loves travelling around yeah. Lake Como and stuff. So probably in Italy during the summer. Anyway, it's her first wedding, his third. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because when you know, you know, you know. He was married <laughs> to Shana Mokler from 2004 to 2008 and Melissa Kennedy 2001 to 2002. And I would just like to make a public service announcement. Meet the Barkers in which Shana and Travis. Yes. The relationship was documented for a time is on YouTube. Is it? So yes, it's yes. I must go good. back and rewatch. And it does not have the production value of what we're used to. It was kind of early in the reality days, infancy. Mm. So it's literally just Shen is in bed. She's wrecked. She's pregnant. She's had a baby. She's having a baby. She's just had a baby. She's tired. She seems to be sleeping all the time. He's ultra motivated. He's like Shana, get up. It's it's funny. So anyway, yeah, so that's my public service announcement. Watch Meet the Barkers on YouTube. And myself and Emer McLeisett were discussing that in that series, there's a scene where Travis goes absolutely mental at Mindy Weiss. Correct. Event planner. Yes. Who then is planning the whole engagement thing in the current mm-hmm. series of the Kardashians for himself mm-hmm. and Courtney. So he obviously made up with Mindy Weiss at some stage. Like the only reason I know her name is because in that scene he sh- he keeps referring to her by her full name, Mindy Weiss, the entire time. So yeah, it's a circle of life. It's I'm the glad wheel they've of made fortune. Peace. They've made peace. Well, if you want to get with the Kardashian, <laughs> you have to accept Mindy Weiss That's into your true. life. Yeah, She's... and Jeff Latham. So they're the two. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Latham, <sighs> celebrity florist. Yeah, celebrity I'm, florist. Like all of these people that just occupy space I in know. my mind. We know them all. Like, do you ever think? about what the other things that you could know about that maybe oh, I suppose mm, no for our life it probably is useful to have all these people in our brains of course it is yeah and, but what actually if we're going to go that kind of strand the fact that we know her grandmother MJ yeah and we love MJ she was at the wedding as well with, along with Travis's father so they were pictured in the carousel of photos that was served to us on Instagram by Courtney and um, Travis so yeah, you can enjoy those. So yeah, looking forward to a bigger wedding this summer and obviously hopefully we'll talk about that then. Well, I do think, um, you know, Travis didn't fly for years and years anywhere because he was in that horrible plane crash yeah. where everyone died basically except for him. Um, and since he got together with Courtney, he's flying again. And so I think it would be kind of poignant mm-hmm. or pungent as we like to say in my house. <laughs> it would be pungent, pungent to see yes. them have a farting wedding. A farting wedding where they all have to get on their private jets. Yeah. I'm now, happy for them. Cardi B, she can't put a foot wrong as far as I'm concerned. Um, and this week, she did a little educational demonstration on her social media, didn't she, Esther? She did. Now, Louise, you have long, stunning nails. I do. Now, they've been longer. Yeah. They've been longer, That's but I, I know you. the long nail life. Mm-hmm, you do. Show me, is the one of your home got a face in it? It does. Okay, great. Yeah. Now, I am not of the long nailed variety. I bite them. It's something I work on all the time. Cardi B does not have the same problem as me. She has long, extensive acrylics. They're very long. Um, so MC Cashdoll asked Cardi B, Hey Barty, how the hell do you change wav diaper with the nails? So she's like, how do you practically get on with your lives? Which is a question that, you know, when you see someone with really long nails, your oh. co-worker Kardashians, etc. What do you how do you live your I've life? I've been asked many a time. And what do you what's your response? You just adapt. You just adapt. You because do. Because that is life. Um so Cardi, she could have let this go. She didn't. She's like, I'm going to give you a full tutorial. Would Beyonce do this first? She would not, I would say. I would hazard a guess. <laughs> Cardi did a full nappy tutorial yeah. with a uh, mocha coloured bear. Uh, from the removal of the soil diaper to the cleaning of the fictitious <laughs> tiny genitalia, 
re-nappying and then dressing the child in their little trousers. At one point, Culture's there. She's like, what are you doing, mom? Words to that effect. She's like, it's a long story. <laughs> but she kind of goes through the whole thing and she did it with the greatest of ease. And yeah. so you just adapt. But this is the thing you really do. Like so many times people have been like, how do you wipe? Like, how do you put a tampon in? And it's like, you figure it out, bitch. <laughs> you figure it out. If you want these long nails, yeah. you figure it out. Yeah. And honestly, now, if I ever have short nails, which has happened via nail accidents from time to time yeah. over the years, like I've had long nails for about 10 years now. Mm-hmm. Um... I find it hard to do things without my long nails. Hmm. Like my texting is all off mm-hmm. because my fingers, my muscle memory is all based on the nails being there, you know. And with the long nails, you get the chance you can squeeze, you can flick things in a different way. I will say there's some things that you can't do as well, like picking your nose, not as good with, oh. with long nails. I would have thought I would have got right in there. No. no. And actually picking in general. It's actually very good if you're a picker <laughs> because you can't... Yeah, pick because your your natural nails are very thin. Mm-hmm. They can get right under okay. anything. Do you know what I mean? But any kind of false nail, or even if you have like I have builder in a bottle, which is a gel overlay, yes. it does thicken the nail a bit so that you can't pick as well. So in a way, they're medicinal. And um, <laughs> anyway, that would anyway. There's nail chat. And if you if nail nail talk, real talk, nail talk. <laughs> if you want to see that tutorial, it's on the internet. So go and have a look. And Cardi has had long nails since she was 19, so she's well used to them. We celebrate she knows her. What she's we doing. celebrate her nails. Good for her. And finally, let's give a little nod to our Nicola Coughlin, who is just going from strength to strength. Yes, I mean, last night was it? Last night was the last um, episode of Dairy Girls, but she's like, I'm happy, part of this journey, but also part of another journey. Maybe you would say maybe a worldwide, a bigger journey. Yeah. Part of the Bridgerton family. She revealed on Instagram that her character, Penelope Featherington, will be the star of the storyline in the next series of Bridgerton. And um, so they're going to steer away from the the path of the books. Um, so that would, they're, anyway, basically her relationship uh, with her long-term crush, Colin Bridgerton, played by Luke Newton, is going to come to the fore. So they're skipping mm. one of the book series and um, she's going to bring that main character energy to the series she's going to step into the fore she said I can't believe it's out in the world Bridgerton fans I hope we do you proud uh, we're very nervous and excited can't wait for you to see Pollens she's already shipped them yeah. uh, stories so yeah like talk about a star skyrocketing I know. like it just feels like it's just one great thing after another for her at the moment and I am happy for it but I'm also really jealous Louise look I have had a podcast called The 80% where I was 80% happy for the success of my guests and I'm 80% happy for her success. I wish her yeah. well but sometimes you're like oh it just keeps going up and up and up for yeah. her. Yeah. I can't grow my nails and she's What would that be like? What would that be like? But um, you know For me it's mostly the clothes. She's wearing the most amazing clothes. She obviously is working no I'm not saying she can't pick good clothes herself she can't but she's working with a stylist because I follow that stylist yeah. and she's working with a great makeup artist and her looks are just on point yeah. and I want access to those beautiful clothes Louise you have great clothes also and you know we're working towards that someday you're going to come in here in some huge taffeta Simone Russia creation of a, of a Thursday and we're going to celebrate and support you so good for her and when's it our turn yes yes and now well let's just go, I don't know if you want to I'm not, I'm not going to produce your own segment but if we want to just end on perhaps getting our own Bridget name Oh, yes, please. Now, obviously, we're going to cover ourselves for GDPR and security reasons because if we're giving our first car, our first primary school teacher and our best friend, (laughs) so we're going to maybe just fudge things a little bit. So it's pick Lord or Lady. Uh, I'll go Lady. Okay, go for Lady. Add your middle name. Christine. Lady Christine. Add the last thing you drank with ton added to the end of it. (laughs) Lady Christine Fantaton. (laughs) 
Lady Christine Fantadon add of 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 and then add the first part of your street now you might want to fudge this with Shire at the end of it Lady Christine Fantadon of Knockshire <laughs> Lady Christine Fantadon of Knockshire your Simone Rocha creation awaits you <laughs> I love it tell me yours it would be Lady Martha Coffeyton <laughs> of we'll say Grand Canal Shire <laughs> There we go. Grand Canal Shire. It doesn't really roll off the tongue, but... Look, Louise, that's my reality. That's my truth. <laughs> if you can't have me by Grand Canal Shire, you can't. I enjoy Coffeeton. Coffeeton, thank Coffeeton's you. Yeah. excellent. Um, right I would like you to write the Coffeeton series, please. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Esther O'Moore, don't know who, where can people find you? You can find me at Esther2Names on Instagram and at EstherOMD.com because I'm an obnoxious. There you go. <laughs> no, you're not. Thank you, Esther. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Now. So I absolutely love a limited series because I feel like you can really just like sink your teeth into them and it's not that intimidating. You know the way sometimes you someone recommends something to you and you open it up and you're like, oh, six seasons, 155 episodes. It's just too much. A limited series, you know, you're talking about, you know, four, eight, 10. It's a nice number. And you can kind of get stuck in over the course of a week or a few weeks and really absorb yourself in it. And that's what I like to do personally. I love when you're having a busy day and you know you've gotten the next episode of whatever brilliant thing you're watching you know, is ready for you that night. And um, the latest one that I'm into is The Staircase, which was made by HBO, but is available here on now. If you're already a fan of true crime, you're probably familiar with the documentary series, The Staircase. Uh, It's the same name. And the Staircase documentary series came out, well, it actually came out over the course of like, I think it was about 15 years because they made a documentary and then they had to follow up as things happened in the case. Um, But it was really big a few years ago, so you might have seen it. But this is a drama series based on the same story. And what's interesting about this is that it actually includes the making of the documentary And also kind of asks the question of what role making a documentary like this plays in the way that things play out and kind of asks the question of, you know, what role the kind of growth of true crime can have in the development of these actual cases and I suppose the course of justice. Um, If you're thinking that sounds meta, it absolutely is. (laughs) Um, But it's also really the story of Michael Peterson and his family. They are the type of American family you often see in films everything's picture perfect. Dad is a successful crime novelist. They live in this enormous mansion in North Carolina. Everything is very wholesome. Their kids are good looking. Everything is just like peachy. And as I said, picture perfect until it all goes wrong. And uh, Kathleen Peterson, the matriarch of the family, is found dead at the bottom of a staircase. And then as the police arrive and they start to do their investigation, the medical examiner finds 35 cuts and bruises that they deem are not consistent with the fall. And all of a sudden, the DA has Michael Peterson up for murder. And you can imagine what impact that has on the family. You know, do they believe the DA? Do they believe that their dad killed their mom? All these questions come up. The story takes like a million twists and turns that you just could never predict and gets into all of the nooks and crannies of family loyalty. 
And it also really asks the question of how well you know anyone, which I always find absolutely fascinating. Like the idea that even the people who you think you know the most, like you know everything that's going on, you know their lives inside out, that they may in fact have a lot of secrets. I find that just fascinating it makes me think loads of really spooky thoughts and like I mean let's be honest chances are (laughs) there's not much going on in the people in my lives lives but you just you know you never know Um, and that's exactly what you kind of find yourself asking as you watch this and one thing I will say is that I like I like a bit of true crime but I'm not absolutely mad into it and I really don't think you need to be to enjoy this because it is as much about family dynamics as anything else Um, and it's also just brilliantly performed I mean that's another thing about limited series these days they tend to have absolutely incredible casts and this is definitely one of those Colin Firth plays Michael Peterson um, the aforementioned father of the family who obviously becomes uh, the the central character in this legal case and um, that's kind of Hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style perfect because obviously the idea is that Michael Peterson had a lot of secrets and Colin Firth seems like the perfect person to play that because you know you look at Colin Firth and you just trust him and you you love him and you don't question anything um, and then Tony Collette plays the complex Kathleen pa- Peterson and like Tony Collette as far as I'm concerned just doesn't know how to not be great she's absolutely spectacular in this and then there's Sophie Turner who we know as like all-around cool girl um brilliant actress she was obviously in Game of Thrones she's married to Joe Jonah she's pregnant and absolutely stunning at the moment and then oh Parker Posey has the most outstanding southern drawl in this and to be honest I would watch Parker Posey do literally anything so the first four episodes of The Staircase are available right now with a now entertainment membership and the remaining episodes will be streaming weekly so you can give yourself a nice healthy dose of four episodes to get yourself into it and then trickle out your pleasure over the next number of weeks so get into it Well, that is just about time on the podcast this week. But before I go, there's a couple of things that need to be dealt with. And that first thing is to acknowledge all of you who got in touch this week to tell me that the non-animal milks, plant milks, your oat milk, your almond milk, all those milks, that they are in fact more expensive and that coffee shops are charging you more for your coffees. I'm sorry, guys. I, we didn't know. And in fairness, we did say at the time, myself and Emer, we we don't can't say this with confidence. I suppose maybe I, I was a little bit confident, but apologies for misrepresenting the situation here. I hear you. I have fully, fully felt your frustration on this matter. And we can but hope 
that people are listening who can do something about this wretched scenario where you're being, I mean, in fairness, it's, some people were saying it can be up to 50 cents. That seems like a, a very steep per coffee markup. Um, anyway, I hear you. And don't forget, you can always get in contact with me if you have a correction, a concern, a comment, you let me know. Um, you can message me. Uh, I'm at Louise McSharry on all the social media platforms. Um, now, also another uh, piece of information in relation to last week's podcast. At the end of last week, I said I recommended the film The Worst Person in the World, which I absolutely loved and cannot recommend enough. I didn't have a streaming platform for you at the time, but it is now on Mubi, M-U-B-I, which is like a, a film I think it's mostly independent film, film streaming platform. So if you want to watch it legally, which is what you should do, you can do that in that way now. In terms of recommendations this week, I was super, super busy, spent a lot of time in the car. So I wasn't doing um, a lot of reading, although actually I I was doing some reading because I did an event with Louise O'Neill and Cecilia Hearn at the International Festival of Literature in Dublin. I actually did it this evening. Uh, it's Thursday. It's very late. I usually do this much earlier in the day. Um, but this evening, this Thursday evening, I did an event with them. So I was reading Cecilia Hearn's book, Freckles, which I really enjoyed actually um, over the last week or so. Um, but I, something that I haven't watched, but that I am going to watch this week is new to Disney Plus. It's Life and Beth. It is the new series from Amy Schumer. And I feel like Amy Schumer has become a bit of a kind of Marmite figure. People kind of aren't so sure what they think about her. Some people love her, but then it seems like there's a lot of people who really hate her as well. But the reviews of this program are excellent. Um, Amy Schumer is apparently brilliant in it. The writing is apparently fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to trying to find some time to get stuck into it this week. I've been hoping to watch it since I heard about it, you know, airing in America, but all 10 episodes are now available on Disney+. Plus. This is not a paid ad. Um, I just am very excited about watching it. And if you watch it this week, then sure, we can talk about it next week. Um, but yeah, that's that's about it. I'm going to head off now. Um, I hope you have a really lovely week. If not, I hope you can find some pockets of relief within whatever challenges you're experiencing at the moment. I have to say, I've been finding things a little bit difficult recently over the last couple of months. And that, you know, that's life. It isn't always sunshine and lollipops. Sometimes you're really busy and you feel like you can't take a breath. Sometimes you get a bit of bad news. Sometimes your hormones are just fucking with you. Yes, I said fuck. Um, so whatever challenges you're facing, I hope that you can try and find a little bit of space to take care of yourself within those challenges over the course of this week. And I will talk to you again next Friday. Have a great one.